When you meet someone, do you wonder about their story? If you're like me, you're always interested in the lives, hopes, and dreams of people. Stories Connect People podcast will bring you interesting, inspiring, and compelling stories from people just like you and me. Stories that will inspire you. They'll make you laugh. You'll learn. They might even make you cry. But above all, you will feel connected and closer to the people around you. You may see yourself in these stories. You may feel connected because you share similarities in your own journey. There are rich, interesting stories closer than you think, maybe even yours. Thank you for listening to Stories Connect People. I am Polly Van Duzer, your host. My guest today on Stories Connect People podcast is Mark Boyd. Mark is the co-founder of an organization that helps youth on the west side of Atlanta that are in some of the most dire situations. His organization is Hey, Helping Empower Youth. You will immediately hear Mark's passion for youth, how he sees himself as a young boy in these young boys, how he has dedicated years to helping build their life skills, STEM skills, entrepreneurial skills, and leadership skills. He talks a little about his childhood, his hustle to earn money as a youth, going into the Marines, and how he was recruited to Lockheed Martin to build C-130s. It was during a layoff where he began working with underprivileged youth. His creativity in helping them learn math by fixing bikes will touch your heart. You will see his commitment, his daily dedication, and how he has even opened up his home during COVID to help provide a place for learning. He discusses the work Hay is doing with a small group of the Atlanta Water Boys and how they are inspired and motivated by their own poverty. Hay is helping them earn money the safe way and teaching them skills that are helping to build a foundation in their life. Mark addresses the controversy surrounding the Atlanta Water Boys and his perspective on Black Lives Matter. Bottom line is, Mark has a heart of gold and you will hear how his investment is changing lives. Welcome, Mark, to Stories Connect People podcast. Well, hello, Mark. How are you today? Welcome to Stories Connect People podcast. I'm great, ma'am. I'm excellent. Thank you for asking. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Well, I am so excited to connect with you. Um, I'll start by um, just sharing how we were introduced. We have a mutual friend, Nick Smith, and he was telling me the great work that you are doing to help support our youth with your organization, Hey, Helping Empower Youth. And I was so moved by the work that you were doing, and I wanted you to be a guest on the podcast. So welcome. Uh, Thank you. I'm honored. Thank you for thinking of me and having me. 
So Stories Connect People podcast is all about uh, spotlighting people who are inspiring and uplifting and interesting and people that are doing great things for our community and our world. And so you are absolutely doing that. Um, And I'm going to have you talk more about your organization. But um, just to kind of get started, the work that you're doing is focused on our youth and um, helping them build life skills and leadership skills. And you offer mentoring and literacy programs and in, in other education programs just to help support them in building a better life. Is that accurate? And you can get more in, more in depth on that as well. It is actually quite accurate. And um, it's almost, uh, you used a lot of language that even comes directly out of our uh, mission statement. Oh. Even. And so, yeah, so we are helping empower youth um, and um our goal is to um, inspire, motivate, and mobilize youth to want to change their world around them. And so the Water Boys initiative, I guess <laughs> you could call it, that we've taken on, um, we really saw the, um, the need for the youth to be able to have some sort of um, organization around what they were doing. We saw that they they were they were definitely inspired by their own poverty to do what it was they do, and they were motivated by that as well. I guess you could say, and they mobilized themselves around doing it. They were just um, they were just not doing it in a safe manner. I love what you said there, and I'm going to come back to that. That they were that they were inspired by their own. Um, uh, poverty. And so I want to talk about that. But why don't you first um, start by just sharing a little bit about Mark and who you are and a little bit about your background? Well, Mark KD Boy. Well, I uh, <laughs> I started um, my, my work in the nonprofit sector when I was laid off from my full-time job, which is I make airplanes at uh, Lockheed Martin. <clears throat> I make C-130s specifically in Marietta here in Georgia. And so um, aviation is a volatile business. And so um, it's up and down. And and it was during the down, the last down period where we had layoffs. I was a junior man at the time, no seniority. And um, I got laid off. I got offered a lot of good jobs. Um, got a lot of good contract jobs. I got offered jobs in Africa, down in Savannah. Could could have went and lived on the beach and just chilled out. But um, my heart was uh, telling me to stay here. I met a good friend who I actually who's actually uh, my co-founder, and she worked in a um, she worked for a nonprofit. What's called Hands On Atlanta. They were in need of male men, mentors, basically, for this, the program that they were doing. And she told me what it was all about. And I was like, wow, I, that's something I, I, I'd be interested in getting involved with. At the time, I was getting custody of my oldest son. And I had never had actual like you know, parental custody of him. And so I was looking for ways to try to help me to understand how to take take care of kids. Basically, you know, I was learning myself. And so I figured that 
the program specifically was called AmeriCorps. And um, they, you would be basically like a teacher's assistant, and then you would run your own after-school program. But the school that I was going to work at specifically needed a male because they had no men in their school, and they needed a male to run an all-boys program. Yeah, so that's that's I started doing the program there, and the boys were having a lot of trouble with math and figuring out different. Um, they were they were very behind in all the subjects, but math certainly far behind. And I was just figuring out ways to try to um, help the teachers. This was before STEM, the acronym STEM was even a thing. So I was just trying to figure out ways to help teachers help the boys with their math, and so started to uh i was bringing it i told the boys you know we would ride bikes i'd help them i'd help them fix the bikes a lot of them had bikes that they were donated right programs would donate them bikes to poor kids but the kids didn't know you know the bike was sitting in the corner for the winter have a flat tire chain maybe off something very very simple kids didn't know anything how to do it single parent single mom household mom didn't know anything to do with it so i told them i would help them fix their bikes if we would do kind of a correlation of the skills that it took to fix the bikes that they were alone were doing what they were doing in school like the things that they had to pass their standards to get to the next grade so a lot of would use things like wrenches to come in to teach them fractions and they would learn. And then they'd learn how to add, subtract fractions by using three-eighths wrench, seven-sixteenths wrench. And then they'd have the application of using it to know as as well. So um, that's where it started from. And, I, and, the, and, the, and the teachers and the principals were just so amazed by it. They asked me, you know, to come back to do it again but at the time i'd gotten my recall to come back to work to go to lock work back at lockheed and i was like man that was like a crossroads in my life and so i ended up turning my recall down to stay at the school because the kids they were just like oh mr boy please don't leave coach boy don't leave us here you know the boy they loved you so much yeah they did so that's i ended up staying there and um Doing and I did end up going back to work at Lockheed the next school year. After that, halfway into the school year, I ended up um, actually starting that program as the nonprofit with my co-founder, helping him, uh, Casey Bennett, and that's where I was started helping empower you. That is such a beautiful story and so simple and just your approach that but so um, impactful to the boys because they you know you were helping them learn just you know kind of some basic life skills and and repairing their bikes but also bringing a math component to it that is so creative and you know I can imagine that that correlating the two for them just, you know, gave them some real life skills that they can, you know, take to other places. And so that's really awesome. So you work with um, helping empower youth. We started by you sharing a little bit about, you know, kind of the mission of the organization, but talk a little bit more about that and, um, you know, who you reach, you know, how do the the boy is it all boys 
or boys and girls? Yes. Boys and girls, how they get into the program. So how are they identified? And then what are some of the things that uh, you do to help support them? Okay. We uh, mainly, as of, we started uh, with mostly youth in the old fourth ward. And, um, but as of now, we mainly work with youth on the West side, boys and girls, young, young men and women. We engage them previously. We did engage them through after school programming and Saturday programming, but the Corona has kind of, of course, put, put a halt to, uh, schooling programming, but we're kind of, we're, we're getting ready to ramp back into things now. So we'll be looking into, uh, uh virtual virtual school and helping helping the kids along with that and still having a hands-on component with it as well so um kids can get involved with us by uh they can go to the website of course helpingempoweryouth.org but most of our most of our programming is centered around children here on the in the on the west side of atlanta and so how do you how do they get into your program? Is it the school recommends them? They hear about your organization through word of mouth. They just it's just like a, if you um, when you in most of our schools, I believe they're mostly Title One schools. Mm-hmm. Just like if you uh, they have a different after school program okay. they can choose from, like a soccer club or. A, or 4-H or any of the other clubs after school, they come to the Help and Empower Youth after school program. I got it. Okay, great, great. So it's mainly driven um, from an after school program. Correct. And then, so how long did the students uh, stay with you? From usually from elementary two to six-ish time frame. We usually have them a good four hours a day. Mm-hmm. And then on a Saturday, like uh, during a bike ride or a regular Saturday program, it's usually about six, a good six hours. And so what is your role, Mark? Well, I do. I am the director of programming. And so basically I plan all the programming, how the curriculum, everything that has to do around what they're going to what the kids are going to learn specifically the way our program works is elementary age students they're known as apprentices they come in and not just elementary age age but you can say beginner level mechanical and mechanically inclined students come in at the apprentice level and they basically learn the safe uh, tool safety safe tool usage and uh, the basics of uh, simple machines and how to ride, how to ride bikes. And then the, at the culmination of that, we have a race at the end of the year. So where they can kind of um, compare all the compare and contrast all the skills that they've learned throughout the year. So once they graduate from the bike apprentice program, then they go to what's known as the journeyman level. And so they work on four-stroke engines and go-kart. They do the same thing kind of just as a advance, just kind of an advancement of it just with go-kart. So then we have a race with the go-kart. So once they graduate from there, then they go, then they're roughly around the high school age level 
And so then they're known as what's known as master mechanics. And so they then work. We have um, vehicles that we have to get, of course, get the bikes, get the trucks, trailers, the bikes, and the go-karts from to and from the particular races. So the high school age level master mechanics uh, repair the, the fleet of logistics vehicles. And so after that, you know, they're prepared to go on to be engineers, mechanics, to run their own shops, you know, any work on, you know, NASCAR racetracks, any, any, anywhere their STEM related mind can take. I love that so much. And these are just, I mean, these are, this is significant work that you're doing in the lives of these young people. And and uh, really important skills that you're helping them build. I mean, it's not easy to be a mechanic and repair the things like you're talking about. I mean, maybe a bike is basic, but, you know, as you get more advanced. And so this is incredible, the work that you're doing. Um, so you were talking about you being employed with Lockheed Martin. I mean, that is an incredible brand and like a um, dream job for <laughs> for someone to to have a job like at Lockheed. What was your early life like? I mean, were, did you ever experience anything like like these youth are and did um whether in your community or you know with yourself personally and has that played into your passion for the for helping young people? Absolutely. Absolutely it did. In fact, I I saw a lot of myself in these kids um uh, selling selling the water you know what i mean and and my my water hustle was cutting grass and cutting grass and um we used to actually hang out at the grocery store and ask people to take their groceries to and from you know their and take their take their groceries to the car and then return their carts back that those was our two water hustles where i grew up at you know and so i can't imagine I mean, I bought a lot of every year. This was the thing to do, you know, and I bought a lot of school clothes and saved my mom a lot of money by being able to take care of myself. You know, at least from the age of at least 11 years old, I can remember at least fourth or third or third or fourth grade, maybe about the first time that I, I went around knocking on doors, asking people to cut grass. And so, um, yeah, I took I took those took those early early leadership and entrepreneurial type skills with me and went into the Marine Corps and joined the finest fighting force the world has ever known. And they taught me how to <laughs> how to repair airplane. That's where I gained all those those valuable skills from. And my goal in the Marine Corps going in, I'm I'm I was raised here in Georgia. And I've always known about Lockheed Martin. And that was my plan to go in there, lab them, teach me how to how to repair airplanes. And I knew I wouldn't have a problem getting a job there if if ever I wanted to, if that was what I wanted to do, which turned out I I thoroughly enjoyed doing it so much so that that was exactly what I did do. And so Lockheed actually came looking for me. I didn't have to go looking for them. And when I was in at war in, in Iraq, they came 
on our boat looking for people that were within a certain date of getting out and saying that basically if you want a job when you're at Lockheed Martin, Marietta, Georgia, when you get out, all you have to do is fill this paper out and you will have a job. That was when F, the plane F-22 was, it was brand, brand new. They, they weren't even, they, you couldn't even see them. You had to have a top secret clearance to even be able to see one. And so I said, man, let me get one of them pieces of paper right there, man. And they sign me up and I came back and I, I had to wait about a year. I came back. I worked at Georgia Power and, and I had to wait. It took a year to get me my security clearance. They had to, they went back as far as uh, middle school. I had people I worked for in middle school contacting me and said, man, what you got going on? Like the government called me asking me, you know, about a secret security clearance for you. And I'm like, oh, I hope you painted me in a good light, please. <laughs> So, <laughs> so evidently they all did and they called me. I'll never forget the day Lockheed called me to come to ask me if I wanted to accept, you know, their offer to come work for them. And I was, I gladly accepted, left Georgia Power and 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 worked for them ever ever since. Often, you know, other than the time I got laid off. I've been laid off from there three times. And and so I've been there almost twenty years. So now I have a little bit more seniority under my belt they had to they would have to lay off they'd have to almost turn the lights off for me to go out the door i it it's it could happen believe me you know but that's basically um that's how i rolled into learning how to fix things in the marine corps and then subsequently Lockheed. i am so glad you shared that um as part of your background and part of your story it is such a connection to to what you're doing now and I love so much that you said you saw the some of yourself in in these boys and so for you to bring your background and kind of your hustle as you you know were saying and and help them possibly create a, a a life that is you know far better than than what they might be on a path for today this the work is just incredible so um tell us a little bit about the water boys project maybe talk first of all just about what it is and what the boys are doing and i know that there's been just tremendous media coverage and controversy around it and so share what you're comfortable sharing with that sure well water boy <laughs> I, I was coming home from work and we were um we were actually looking for ways to engage children here specifically on the west side and we live here in the neighborhood we also also actually live in the neighborhood that we serve as well it's a it's it's being famously regentrified here in Atlanta due to the Beltline and a lot of and the, and the billion dollar stadium right around the corner, as well as a lot of other things. And so we would see kids walking up and down Lowry uh, with coolers and they'd be walking to going to various their various stations where they were going. So one day we just stopped, talked to them, asked them what was going on, had a little simple conversation with them. And so I was coming home from work one day and um, they were just all wild, just everywhere. And, they, you know, all hanging on people's cars. It was just a, it was just a madhouse kind of situation. 
So I was the <laughs> the the bright side of the Gemini and me tells me to stop, pull over, and talk to him. So I stopped chastising him, pull your pants up, do this, you think about doing it this way, do it this way, do it this way. And they were all, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, giving me the they give gave me the respect of standing there looking at me, but at the same time I could tell they weren't it wasn't registering in their head. And and even at that, I would be sitting there talking to them as soon as the light would turn red. We they could be in mid sentence and the light turned red and they were running out there to go get the money because that's their money, you know. So I quickly understood that I wasn't gonna get anything done by by stopping and and trying to do this probably the way that a thousand other people had done. So I said, okay, fine. So I just began to stop every day and I would just stop and hang out there. Wouldn't, I wouldn't tell them how to do one thing or another. I just stopped and let them know that an adult was there. You know, there was times they'd come to, they'd be fighting over simple, the simplest little frivolous things to come to fist fight. I'd be there to, you know, at least to calm the situation down, break it up. And then I would start seeing strange adults coming, dropping water off to them. Kid jumps in a car, you know, with an adult that doesn't, I just obviously doesn't belong in this place here. So that's when I really started saying, okay, maybe I should do more. Do more. <laughs> I, I, yeah, obviously something told me to stop. So obviously I've, now I'm I'm knee deep in this, so we got to go see just how far this goes. And so I, I say every day, I began to just to grow a relationship with them, and they began to test their boundaries with me. You know, asking me to do things for um and this and they so they wanted to see just what my angle was. Like what would they like? What was an ask? Oh, that you thought was oh. out of line. Will you buy me a blunt? You know, will oh. you buy me cigarettes. <laughs> you know, ten year old kid <laughs> asking me to buy him cigarettes. You know, what I mean, like that's and that's mild. Like, I, oh Lord have mercy. So yeah, so they really tried to see where what mine, who you are, and what you were, what you would be willing to do for them. Right. So when they could see that, like, okay, he ain't, we can't, he's not going to be doing this. So that's when they were open to, to see what I was willing to teach him. And so my co-founder, she began to come up there at the time with me and she has a real kind of mommy. They really kind of instantly saw a mom kind of figure in her and it, it kind of solidified things in us and so from there i began it's man maybe you want here's a belt maybe you want to think about pulling them pants up a little bit and if you have your pants pulled up a little bit you might be able to move a little faster in between cars <laughs> and that <laughs> will equal more money and i presented to them like that you know i mean just kind of your humor uh... <laughs> Like the reality, the yeah. the reality, the that it's so the truth behind that, but just kind of like the lightness that you. <laughs> <laughs> well, they appreciate it. It's awesome. It's such an awesome approach for them. It, I love it. So that's how we began to grow the relationship with them, and from there, 
we started to um, implement some of the STEM things. Like, um, I'll give you an example. Like, there there would be simple arguments, just the smallest things. One particular day, somebody came to offer to buy the rest of their inventory out. Oftentimes, people stop there and they'll buy the rest of what, what they have, meaning you have to count. You have to know what you have. You have to be able to offer the person change, you know. As, so a guy, um, I think it was, it was somewhere in the tune of they had 30-something bottles of water left. So the guy offer, uh, offered them $40, and they had to, to give them the change back and split split the um, split the money for the bottles themselves. So one kid is count I can see him counting it up what what he's gonna get. I can I can see him counting it, you know. And now the other kid is getting more more and more visi- visibly uh, frustrated and angry. And I'm like, what's going on, man? Just count the bottles up, get you know, give the man what what he needs and and we'll finish cleaning up for the day. And so uh Kids just getting mad, man. They're almost coming to a fight. So I try to get to the root of what's going on and come to find out the kid can't count. Six, 16 years old, he literally cannot count. Like, could not count past 10. Did not have the skills to count. And I didn't even, it didn't even, it really hit me. And somebody, as somebody who has worked with this population, like, I worked in the worst schools and like this was something that I didn't even like. I had to stop, kick myself, you know. Because you hadn't even you hadn't even noticed. I hadn't even noticed that the boys over there count, literally counting on his fingers, like they're trying to get a grasp of how many bottles he had. So we take the bottles out, put them on the sidewalk, and I have them group them all, just how you do in school, you know, group the bottles, just it's like they group them up in fives and counting them up. And showing him how to, you know, subtract the number that he needed and to give him the change and everything. And bam, it, I could see it clicking in his head, like, you know, because I, much in the same way as I did with the wrenches and showing him the fractions, him seeing the water bottles there and being, and water bottles obviously being something that he handles, you know, a lot daily and him seeing them physically there, but being able to count them is what clicked in his head for as far as the subtraction part. That was, the, I think, the hang-up where he was getting, how much he had to give back. Yeah, so just running into things like that is where we recognized that we, need to, we needed to get these boys into uh, the STEM thing that we do. Well, that's a great story. So what was the guy's feedback? from from that was it like like I know that this is a skill that I need and thank you so much for helping me like what's what's the what's the kid's reaction uh, he was silently thankful like I didn't want to shame him yeah right and and I thought about that like what do the other kids think and that I have to constantly well I don't I don't want to say constant this only took one time where I had to tell them they had this thing about making it when they started to see that I was going to be teaching them things that they could learn. They started to try. It's a man and it's a man, male testosterone thing, right? They started, started to try to like prove who's the smartest and, 
And, you know, and they started making fun of each other according to their intellect. And, you know, so I had to squash that like real quick. It only took one good time to let them know, you know, that if you are one of the ones that are a little bit sharper, then it's, it, it's up to you to reach back a little bit and help help your brother out, you know. And so um, the kid was really and that same kid, like he's one of the ones that's like really attached to me, even, you know, now to this day. And he was just really thankful that I didn't. I ain't shame him like that. Because before when I was just rushing him to like get it done, hurry up and get, you know, to, to get the, that trans that particular that day we were working on efficiency. So I was working on with them getting getting transactions down to three to five seconds instead of holding up to holding up traffic. So that was why I was getting him to try to do it faster, not think not paying attention that he was being held up because of because of his math comprehension he was just very thankful that i didn't make a big deal you know i he could see that when i saw that he was having trouble what he was actually really having trouble with and then i reversed course on how i was pressuring him he then he really opened up and that was his reaction he opened up to the learning how many boys make up the water boys in totality in the city there's roughly estimated about five to six hundred. And do you, does Hay work with five to six hundred? Oh, no, no. The, we did. We're at 20. The one, the one corner we're at now, okay, they're all loosely, if you can imagine, they're all basically kids that haven't been to school, in some cases, several years. And then, and and pretty much all of them haven't been to school because even the ones that were somewhat some going to school, Corona put them all out of school for the most part. So, so um, we have about twenty that we engage on our one corner of Northside and Boone, and that's even grown because of other kids have heard about what what we've been doing. They've migrated and come feel safe to come to our corner now. So it's, it's grown actually. So there's been a lot of controversy around the water boys. What can you share about what the real story is? And I feel like that we have the news perspective, which is, you know, often I'm not saying that there's no truth to it, but often very blown out of proportion from your perspective, what you see and you know, you see the heart of the boys every day, you know, I mean, the 20 or so that you're working with, and you have exposure to them. What can you share about what's going on around that? Well, it's a, it is such a, a wraparound services type situation that it's not even crazy. There's been so many things that have led up to the powder keg that has finally exploded in the city's face. They, they, everything from them wasting money in programs that they've had to give back with the Atlanta Workforce Development Agency, everything from that to Corona, obviously, exasperating the situation and um, gentrification. It's just a, all a good deal of our kids come from uh, one of the last housing projects left here at Allen Temple, and um, their situations 
are 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 the worst of the worst that you're going to find here in the city. I mean, I have a kid that has a he's taking care of his twelve years old, just him and his paraplegic mother. They that's what he's selling water for. So all the ones who are who are who go get Airbnbs and throw party every week. I mean, it's all it, it's all over the spectrum. And so what it what it, it really is is a lot of unsupervised teen preteens and teenagers, and they're working their way through life, and this is how they're paying for it <laughs> by going out and making very fast volume transactions. And so there are, as with anything, there are some bad apples, and out of the children that we've had on our corner, there's only been two that we absolutely just could not deal with that were beyond, okay, you have, there's, there's some other program for you kid, but it's just not this one. Even those two, if I had the resources and the time, I, I could work with them, but just not in the, in the, in the space that we have now, we have very limited dollar for dollar kid to kid resources. We're just a small nonprofit. So, so back to your question. Um, yeah, the kids come from some very dire, dire situations. Now we've had kids, they're armed, they're, they're armed. We do program. We, we've had to bring programming into our own home for the lack of space that we've had. And so, just to try to, because some of the kids don't want to be selling water. They would do something else if they had the choice to do so. So we've been able to plug a good deal of them into other things, like landscaping jobs. I had a lot of them do a lot of work around my house. Um, and I, ha- I have a lot of my STEM programming things here at my house in my garage. So we did a lot of programming here, straight out of my house. So I, And we, we've had kids here. I had to tell a kid, I had to disarm a kid, you know, for safety's sake, because you, you just to let them know, you know, I understand why you want to be armed. I'm a Second Amendment person, being a Marine and all, but you can't be armed. You can't have a Glock 19 with a 30 round clip while we're up under this transmission. I'm sorry. That's, you know, we're going to have to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> so. And did he understand? He totally understood. He understood when I put it to him that way. When at, at first, when I came with the whole preachy, oh my goodness, you have a gun liability, this, this, that, and other, you know, they're just going to come at you, back at you with, oh, we carry around all day. We say, because when I, when I asked him to, you know, to clear it, but the boy cleared it more professional than, than most anybody that owns a firearm on the street. I could clearly see that. He, and he's a young person. 15 years old with a better daily carry than I have. <laughs> okay. As a Marine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So, so, but when I put it to him in, in, in the terms of, Hey, you're going to end up shooting, shooting something off that you don't want to while we're turning these wrenches. Oh, you know, okay. Coach boy, here we go. Gave it back to him at the end. So, yeah. So they're, We've had it. We've had situations where we've been up there. I mean, this Sunday, somebody got shot while we're selling water right in front of us. Guy got shot. And um, that's how actually one of the kids ended up with that Glock 19, because the guy that that um, 
did the shooting gave the the uh the firearm to the kids in an attempt to get rid of the the, the weapon. All this just this week. I mean, so it's like these are the situa- these are the types of situations that these kids are coming from. And so that's why they feel the need to be armed and to arm themselves, not only, you know, but they feel the need to do so for their life. So they're coming. You have to really understand why they're out there selling water, because they have said multiple times, Coach Boyd, if we wasn't out here selling water, we'd be out here busting people over the head, which they would be doing. So. So there's so much in our environment today around Black Lives Matter. And what's the message to the young people about your life matters, your decisions matter, your what you're doing today to build a foundation for your future is going to be the foundation for your future. But how do you change the their in their head that you're important you're valued you can have a better life you well i i'm not sure if hey um if hey itself as far as teaching a 716th wrench is going to be a 7 716th wrench you know you you can't change that but um, when it comes to things like that, which obviously those things come up in conversation and shop talk conversation. Right. And I have a mentality that I I don't believe that I have to tell you. I don't I don't believe I have to tell you Black Lives Matter because I'm armed everywhere that I go. And that and I don't believe I have to prove my mattering to you because if it comes down to the mattering of lives between me and you is going to come down to the, to the round <laughs> that gets fired. And that's a, that's the great equalizer that I believe in. So I don't believe in the black whole, the whole black lives matter. And they, and they, even without any sort of political talk this way or leaning left or right anyway, they have this, a very similar mentality. You know what I mean? And so, so it's hard and it's also hard to get, hard to get them to even, even if that was what I would, was, would be preaching to them, that would be a hard lesson to teach to them while we have a, a black mayor who people like to tout name is Keisha. We have a black Atlanta is run top to bottom. A good deal of the city is run by black people who are champion to lock these kids up just for them trying to be not just for them trying to sell water because there has been some some bad incidents some very some very bad incidents however the bad incidents could have been belayed in a in a, in a good a good deal of them had the city even done a, a tenth of of what I mean Paul Howard the DA he had a whole program I think $500,000 funded in the program just to pay some people some salary. No kids in the program, zero children in the program, just to pay people some political friends some salary. So you caused this problem. You exasperated this problem. And then now you want to throw these kids in jail for trying to do, for trying to solve it themselves. And 
and some in a lot of cases just to help like the like the young guy that you were mentioning that's you know he's just trying to do something to right. for his mom and his family right and he's the only person that probably can do that right and so i i applaud these kids for getting out here and and, and trying to do this and figuring out to do it in this way and so when it comes to that whole Black Lives Matter thing, I tell them, you know, you have just you have just as much as right to this free market system as anybody else does. And what you are doing, as long as you do it in a safe way, you know what I'm saying, you should have the the ability to be that's what matters. Cause while green is what green is the life thing that matters here. In America, you know what I mean? So that, that's how I try to come at it with the kids. The work that you're doing to help them feel valued and important, and you invest in them every single day, whether it be, you know, the youth that are part of the your you know school programs or, you know, just part of Hay overall, or the, I mean, it sounds like you are daily in the trenches with these 20-ish or so guys, I mean, that has to show them, I care about you. You are important. I am investing in you. I want you to invest in yourself to have a better life. I mean, that has to carry so much weight with these guys. It does. To, to, in helping them, you know, create, create their future. Yeah, it, it absolutely it does. And they, and they see it. You know, and they tell us all the time, you know, Coach Boy, you know, nobody's taking an interest in us. Is the way that you guys, they tell us all the time. People come up to us and they try to tell us to do it this way and that way. But you guys really, it had never really sunk into the way that y'all did it. Like, just like that. Those those words right there. All right. Okay. All right. Tomorrow, that makes tomorrow a little bit easier. Because every morning they, they're texting us. The, after the first day, we brought them back to the house and fed them and did program with them. Every, every day since then, they, they text us. What's the plan for today? What are we going to do for today? You know, they're looking for alternatives. Wow. If anyone wanted to, our listeners wanted to learn more about Hay, or, I mean, do you take volunteers, financial contributions? Like, tell us. Uh, tell us more about, you know, how someone could find more specific information about Hay and or get in, involved and what in, what involvement might look like. Sure. We'll, we'll, you can go to uh, helpingempoweryouth.org. It's our website. It'll give you all the information you need about giving financially and everything. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Sure, sure. Um, right now, I think we're in a uh, capital campaign to raise money to engage um, the 20 in a meaningful way, specifically for a six-month period that will cover a space and um, a couple of new side-by-side go-karts for them so they can uh, so, yes, again, you can go to uh, org. We're looking for volunteers. Um, if you can come out and just help the kids sell water the hay way, the ones that still want to sell, 
we sell at um, a couple of different places now, Northside Drive and Boone, and then we sell down at the city council, in front of the city council, uh, Monday through Friday. So anytime that you're available from 12 to 6 to come out and just, you know, come out, stand with them, make sure they're not in the roadway after the light turn greens, just real basic, simple stuff. Are they welcoming to that? Are they welcoming to? <laughs> they At first, they weren't welcome to it at all. They, <laughs> they weren't even, they challenged me just on, they were like, well, big bro, they call, they, they call everybody, if they, big bro, that's their, that's what they're going to, that's what they call you. Big bro, how are you going to make us money? We make all, you know, we, we've been out here making money. We know how to make money. You don't know, you can't tell us how to make more money. And, you know, so they, <laughs> they weren't receptive to it at all, but they, little did they know, I actually had people purposefully drive through to tell, you know, to compliment them on the, how they were doing it different or how they had their pants pulled up or whatever. Oh, big brush. She told me I look nice with my pants pulled up and she gave me five instead of a dollar. And, you know, then they <laughs> sunk in. So, yeah, you just have to be one step ahead of the teenagers. That's all. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, Mark. I mean, if our listeners just could see the light in um, your face about you and your smile and just the way that you talk about the, I mean, they'll hear it in your voice, of course, but with us being on a video, you know, I just see the love you have for them and the passion that you bring to them and to the program. And um, you just, I mean, you just light up talking about it. And so it's really incredible. And so I want to thank you today for sharing your story on Stories Connect People podcast and sharing the story of Hay and the Atlanta Water Boys and all of the work that you're doing to help just them build build some life skills and leadership skills and foundational skills for their life. I encourage our listeners to do a little research on Hey H E Y exclamation point helping empower youth, and I'll put that all in the show notes. Um, but Mark, um, you are really making a difference, and I want to thank you for being on Stories Connect People podcast and sharing all about that today. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me and being able to just share a little bit about what it is we do and where it is I came from. I really enjoyed it and had a great time. Thank you, Ms. Polly. Thank you for listening to Stories Connect People podcast. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe, listen, rate, or share with others. I look forward to being with you next time on Stories Connect People podcast.